This is Evermore Poe, the turbulent youth of Edgar Allan Poe. Chapter 34 Eddie ignored the voice calling after him as he sprinted down the street. It didn't matter who it was. Nothing did anymore. He didn't stop running until he reached Bank Street. He grabbed his knees to catch his breath. The majestic state building at the top of Capitol Hill was glowing like a lighthouse, and suddenly, Edgar knew where to go. The Stannard's home was a welcome sight. Eddie slowed as he approached, trying to gather his thoughts, and yet he knocked before they were fully realized. All he knew was that he needed to be with someone he trusted. He needed Jane now more than ever. The butler, Samuel, seemed surprised to find the teenager calling after dark. Mr. Edgar, Bobby has long gone to bed, sir. Hello, Samuel. I'm not here for Bobby. And actually, I'd like to see Jane. Uh, Mrs. Standard, please. It's very important. Samuel, who is it? Jane called out from inside the home. It's Master Bobby's tutor, ma'am. Young Eddie. An instant later, the angel herself was at the door wearing a low-cut emerald nightgown that highlighted her decollage. Her hair was held in a tussled bun with ringlets framing her face. To the prudish ladies of Richmond, her attire was highly inappropriate for any guest, let alone a young man. But Jane didn't seem to care. Eddie went weak. She was more stunning than ever, so much so that he almost forgot why he knocked in the first place. Eddie, she sounded concerned. Is everything all right? I'm sorry, miss. The words began to clog his throat. I just, I just didn't know where to go. Come in, come in. She steadied her young visitor with two hands, guiding him to the love seat in the parlor. A pot of tea, Samuel, she said. There, there, you're all right now. Pray tell, what on earth happened? Eddie's pent-up emotions poured out like a levee broken. Even he was surprised by how easily the words flowed. He told Jane about Ma's slow downward spiral and Pa's cold and cruel demeanor. And he explained he had turned his personal heartaches into art, but now that, too, was being threatened. My poems, my stories, they're more than my craft. They're my medicine. I've woven all of my loss into those pages, and God knows I've had a lot of it. But now, none of that matters. It's over. What's over? He took a long breath. My pa promised to get me published. He met with Headmaster Clark tonight, but when he got home, he just gave me this silent rejection. He wants me to fail, I know it. Jane questioned him, Why on earth would your pa take a meeting on your behalf only to sabotage you? Are you sure it wasn't Headmaster Clark who refused your work? There's no way. Clark loves me. Nope, this is my pa's doing. That's the only logical explanation. Eddie's heart pounded as he took in her beauty. He fought the instinct to look at her nearly exposed breasts, highlighted by a plunging neckline just inches away. Then, as if in a dream, she smiled and leaned in. Her embrace was soft and warm. He sank into her soft, heaving bosom. They looked into one another's eyes and fell into a passionate kiss. Soft tongues entwined in a heavenly exchange. Next, Eddie's hands wrapped around her waist as he began to explore her body. Below his belt, a throbbing was born. Eddie dived right in. Her earlobes, her neck, her scent, her very essence. Eddie was enraptured. A moment later, he was ripping open her bodice to further explore her exquisite beauty. Thank you, Samuel, Jane said as the tea arrived. 
Eddie's fantasy was shattered in an instant. That will be all, Jane said, still sitting a socially acceptable distance away. She passed a cup to Eddie. Here, she said, this will settle your nerves. Uh, thank you. Jane continued to listen to Eddie's dreams and fears, but as they talked, he began to notice she would occasionally wince as though in great pain. Are you all right, Jane? Should I get Samuel? No, no, just a headache, she replied. It will subside. Please do go on. With my husband away, I quite enjoy our company. As do I. The two talked until the clock chimed in, with Eddie keeping his fantasies locked away. He returned home to Tobacco Alley as the chapel clock struck ten. He slipped under his covers and tried to re-release the fantasies of Jane. But despite his very best efforts, that night, the worst of Eddie's nightmares returned with a vengeance. Evermore Poe is the historical account of a teenaged Edgar Allan Poe. If you'd like to learn more about Eddie's devolution to become the master of the macabre, please don't forget to follow and share this podcast. Evermore Poe was researched, written, produced, and edited by yours truly, journalist Chris Kosach. I began my research more than a decade ago using vetted journalistic methods with corroborated fact-checking from respected sources including the Library of Congress, periodicals obtained from multiple Poe museums, notable scholars, and the National Archives, among other collections, strung together in a narrative style. In other words, my story is mostly true. Our music today is from Esther Abrami. It should be noted that some of the characters in Evermore Poe are composites of real people, including servants and slaves who lived in the Allen home at the time of our story. Please note, while Evermore Poe is based on fact, it should not be confused with the historic record. For that, I hope you will go down your own rabbit hole to research one of the most thrilling American authors of all time. Our story continues again next time on Evermore Poe. Until then, I'm Chris Kosach. Thank you for listening.